edition of the Sack Pack. Perhaps you can also solve the mystery. That's right. We're back. Season 5, episode 6 of your original uh, classic Unsolved Mysteries. Um, get it on the YouTube. Get it on the Amazon Prime. Get it on the Tubi or Voodoo or something like that. Uh, anyway, what's up, guys? David Hell is always joined by Daniel Banavides. Howdy, howdy. We uh, thought Eli. We thought out Eli. Yeah. He's ready to party. Dude, why is it Why is it like I always have like some crazy-ass shit going on, I feel? <laughs> like, don't you? Like, like, I always have like a crazy story or like... You guys went from COVID God. to just being frozen and, and flung from your homes? <laughs> Dude, it was miserable. I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. So I lived in Kansas City, right, for like two years. And Kansas is Kansas, Missouri. I lived in Kansas City, Missouri. I worked in Kansas City, Kansas. For those of you who don't know and have never been and are unfamiliar, because I was unfamiliar until I moved there, but Kansas City is split right down the middle. There's a state line road that literally splits Missouri and Kansas. On the west is Kansas City, Kansas. On the east is Kansas City, Missouri. And both of them, no matter – Kansas is a little bit better at it, but Kansas City, Missouri is still better than Texas as far as treating their roads and like being prepared for this kind of inclement weather. Texas is not ready for this at all. Did, did you see the picture of the – What What picture? The picture of the Texas-Arkansas border. There's this highway that's on the uh, on the like one side is going one way and one side is going the other way and one side is on Texas one side is on Ar- in Arkansas, and the, the Arkansas side is all paved uh, you know is is plowed. It's all beautifully plowed, de-iced. The sun's all sunny. Yeah. it looks. So, it almost looks. Spring that's kind of what I was getting at. And then the Texas. Yeah, side that's what is I was getting like, at. The so, Texas side is completely covered in snow. Miserable. <laughs> so that's what I was getting at. So. Like I was saying, Kansas is a little bit better at plowing their roads than Missouri. Like it was kind of like that, where Kansas is very nice and springy, like all the roads are clear, you could see the asphalt. Missouri is not like that. But it's still better to drive on than it is here in Texas. Like at least there's salt on the road. Yeah. Um it's it's just it we're just not at all prepared for this kind of weather. I will give our city mad props. Uh, we got a hefty amount of snow for El Paso on Valentine's Day, and they did a good job of keeping the roads clear. Uh, we only had Valentine's. Ba- Happy Valentine's Day. We only had uh, one 15 car pile up. Yeah, just one. Well, yeah, but that's just we mainly, had 150. That, but that's just because El Pasoans don't understand that when you know there's a slick or wet surface, you don't slam on your brakes at 60 miles an hour. We haven't learned that part yeah. of driving. Yeah, people, yet. people we drive, haven't learned that either. People don't know get, how to drive in the rain in El Paso. We get ice. We get frozen ice here on the roads. At least I, I would. I would say me being living here for about 11 years, I'd say maybe four or five years of those, we've had black ice on the roads and people still do not understand how to. It's all fucked up and scary. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, we got a bunch of murder to talk about. Uh, is there? I don't know. The, the first. Yeah, I heard you a- guys. What's up? Well, I just heard you guys talked about Elisa Lamb. What did I miss? You want to catch me up on anything? Oh, we were just going over the comments people left uh, on our Instagram, and then we talked a little about uh, the podcast, the Unsolved Mysteries official podcast. Did you listen to it? No, I, I saw the, I heard the clip that you sent me, but I didn't hear like the entire thing. It's oh, that guy's sure. voice is amazing. Yeah, it's really good. It's only thirty. It's like less than thirty minutes. It's just like little ghost story. It's good. Classic unsolved. I I haven't had internet. Okay. Oh shit. I've had like three G because Verizon decided in a in this crisis that they're going to go ahead and throttle my (laughs) throttle my data. Hey, three G is still enough bandwidth to listen to a podcast. 
Should have downloaded it. Yeah, you're right. I just haven't had a lot of like. You should have downloaded it at your in laws. Usually I'm at work. (laughs) Usually I'm at work or driving (laughs) alone. It's scary. I've been just surviving, man. Yeah. Yeah. Making sure my pipes don't burst. So stressful. Right. At least you have power now. So a lot of people, I guess a lot of people in Austin and Houston are still pretty fucked, right? Um, yeah, dude, I got a friend in, uh, I got a friend in Austin. He hasn't had power in like 84 hours. That was when he texted me yesterday. I haven't, I haven't talked to him today. So I'm hoping. Oh yeah. I mean, all the Austin homies have been posting of the, you know, for the first couple of days, it was like, oh, it's cute. You know, like they don't have kids. So, you know, like, oh, we're just having little fire dinners and now it's not cute anymore. It's like, fuck. No, it's uh, being I, cute real fast. Our, our friend Fidel, did you see his story? He posted, dude, did you see Fidel's story on Instagram today? No, no, I haven't. He he uh, he was at HEB or something, and he, like everything on the shelves was empty. And he got a couple cases of beer, and he said something like, "This is it," and apparently they're not going to get any more anytime soon. And like, not just the like the whole beer aisle was pretty empty, but like. It, it was like all the produce was over there next to it. And there was just like no, nothing Damn, there. It's not that bad here. So yeah, it's like, it's yeah, it's not, I went to the, it's I, not cute anymore. No. So it got, it got a little above freezing. So today I went out, I went to the grocery store and I did get a few things that we needed. We didn't need much. Thankfully we had been already a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah, it was still pretty stocked. I mean, there was still beer. There was still produce. I got some limes. Um, that's good. Yeah. So thankfully it's not that bad. You can protect yourself from scurvy. It could be, could be worse. (laughs) Is that how you protect yourself from scurvy from lime with limes? Yeah, I think so. Limes. Citric acid. Limes has something to do with it. And I mean, if I think if. Well, vitamin C actually. Yeah. Just if you eat fruit and vegetables while you're a pirate, then you won't get scurvy. Right. (laughs) I think. Basically. I don't know. I'm not a fucking pirate. It's 2021. (laughs) Um, anyway, so let's talk about psychic dreams, <laughs> dude. This was kind of trippy, man. Like I've, the first case is the unexplained. I've, uh, I've got some crazy dreams. I don't think I've ever had any psychic dreams, but definitely some pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. Well, it's hard to tell, you know, because I I feel like I have deja vu a lot, but I don't know if it's just that mind doing that like. It's like that little thing in your brain that just like playing a trick on it. Like you think you're remembering this, but nah, it's just your mind playing a trick on you. Yeah. It's super interesting. Yeah. I thought that too. But who knows? Yeah. The mind's weird and I do smoke a lot of weed. So, (laughs) so it's like, yeah, I I mean, it happened recently. Had a little deja vu, but um, yeah, let's talk about about it now or later. Should we go over? What's up? Yeah, we I said, do you want to tell us about it now or later? <laughs> I don't. Or at all. No. Do you even? Yeah. What year <laughs> do you is this? you want to tell it at all? <laughs> this is not we my live, beautiful house. We live with, we live in a dream within a dream. Sorry, I just snapped my fingers. A little Twin Peaksy in here. Yeah, so psychic dreams. Let's talk about this first person, uh, Glenn Loney who was a, a Brooklyn theater professor who had a cool conductor's hat that Dan just couldn't stop shitting on. And I kept telling him that it was style. Yeah. I couldn't tell if he was like a train <laughs> conductor or like a British cabbie from the 1920s. He's a stylist. Um, he might have been both. He's a stylist. Could have been both, 90s, I mean. 90s private college theater. I don't know. He was an ambitious career man. Uh, so he tells a story about a cold winter night 20 years prior to 1992. Two, I think, is when this story aired, October ninety two, I believe. Yeah, I'll double check. Yep, yep, it was. That's right. I, I did, I did look. Yep, you're right. Um, I checked so prior because reason. Yeah, we used to say that. We should probably say that. <laughs> Start saying the original air dates of these episodes again. Um, so yeah, twenty years before that, um, he has a dream uh, one night, and he swears that the dream is going to save his life one day. And it's, he says it's vivid. You know, they explain how. Psychic dreams aren't your normal dreams where you forget most of the stuff after 10 minutes after waking up and it's kind of fragmented that these psychic dreams are very vivid, you know, 
And uh, in his dream, he's driving up a hill around a blind corner. And when he pulls over, when he uh, turns the corner, there's a, a car coming on the opposite side of the road that's pulling a trailer, right? And as it kind of swerves a little bit, one of the back wheels of the trailer it's pulling uh, falls. Comes off. Yeah, it just falls off and rolls right towards them. And he just, in the dream, he has a feeling that if he didn't speed up, he they were just dead. Yeah. So, you know, he always remembers his dream, right? And then, of course, what happened six months later? Six months later. Business trip with another fellow professor. <laughs> and I like it. This, in the, they've obviously been on this road trip for a while. And uh, I like on the reenactment, he's like, he leans over. He's like, oh, so. So you like your students? Yeah, it's like, how's the classes going? He's like, oh, it's good. Like, I, for some reason, I'm just picturing, like, they've been driving for seven hours, and that's just, like, the first thing they said to each other. <laughs> <laughs> just in my mind. <laughs> so you're a teacher, right? Like, yeah. So you they... teach kids, huh? He's just thinking for five, four or five hours, like, oh, what's the opening? Like, what am I going to, like, how do I start the conversation? <laughs> <laughs> do I lead in with education? I mean, we are both educators. Like, it's more it's than like, our. Oh, I'm overthinking that, that's it. Just, that's not just us. Like, you know, like. <laughs> no, come on, come on. I'm overthinking this. Yeah. Just be so cool. Just be do cool. I, do I, do I lean in with the personal question, or do I start off with the professional questions and ease into the personal <laughs> questions, or do I just mix them up? Which Which way do I go? Should I ask him if he just if yeah. even wants a friend? I'm I'm stupid. Maybe he doesn't want to be my friend. <laughs> He probably doesn't even want a friend. He probably has got tons of friends. Oh, God, I'm such a yeah. loser. A guy like this? <laughs> With, With a, a hat, hat like that? that. <laughs> we both said it. We both said it. Oh, With a hat man. like that. We both said it. <laughs> oh, my God. Obviously, in this uh, during this road trip, you know, he gets to an area and he's, like, freaking out. He's like, this is the, the hill from my dream. And just like he said, it all plays out perfectly. Uh, right. Yeah. Mm. Dude, tires, rolling tires are no joke. I didn't realize it was a thing, but apparently I used to. So I think this Instagram page got, yeah, it didn't look that it, uh, it didn't look that, it didn't look that scary, uh, but there used to be an Instagram page. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. I've clearly never seen what I was going to say. Clearly you'd never seen the thousand or hundreds of thousands of hours of, YouTube videos of just pedestrians in China getting yes. knocked out by flying tires. That's what I was going to say. So there oh, was, I did there, see there used to be this Instagram page and I think it's been since taken down because it was pretty gruesome. Um, it used to be called escaping death and they would post a bunch of people that like had near death experiences. Some of them look like they clearly died, but one dude, there was so many like runaway tires of just people just, getting fucked up off like runaway tires. So yeah, it's pretty dangerous. <laughs> and I'm sure in that reenactment, of course the tires not going that fast. So it doesn't look that scary. Oh, I was going to say there's a gnarly one on YouTube where this like lady dodges the tar, the, the tire that's coming at her for the tire only to hit the bus stop behind her a ricochet and I hit her in her. the back. I feel like I've seen that. Yeah. Damn. Um, all right, let's talk about Rhonda Anderson. Um, she's this really pretty lady who Dude, had who her and her yes. daughter had psychic dreams. But I, I even told Jocelyn, I was like, is it just me or is this girl like kind of a babe? <laughs> oh, she's she's really really pretty. Yeah, and especially like in this time, yeah, for sure. Because we've seen some, yeah, yeah. we've seen some doozies. Nothing about her style was like oof. Which is pretty rare for something taking place in 1992. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she was cute. And her daughter, I mean, her daughter was cute too. Um, and uh, that husband, sign me up. No <laughs> no sideburns, thank you. Sideburns, don't need them. <laughs> this guy gives me shit every time I cut my What about them braided pants? I, I wasn't going to bring that up because, yeah, I did give you shit. Because Dan used to shave with the, he shaves with the straight razor, but he'd go all the way up. And I'm like, don't, you need sideburns. What are you doing? <laughs> Not on this guy. I'm right, right? I'm yeah. You kind of do need sideburns, yeah. man. <laughs> um, sideburns? No, thanks. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, um, the first story that uh, w- with Rhonda and Joe 
Um, they meet in 1980. They get married. Whatever. We we get it. They're married. Um, and uh, uh, six months after they're married, I think, he's away on a camping trip. And she has this dream that a bear attacks the camping site. And they have to shoo the bear away or whatever. So the next day, she's, like, literally thinking, like, well, even if this is true, what the fuck can I do about it? You know, it's the 90s. There's no... Uh, cell phones. cell phones, you know, like even if there was, it probably wouldn't, you know. So the the deal was he was going to call her that evening after he was out of the woods. In the morning, he calls, and she's very excited. You know, she's like, "Oh, I'm glad you called." And he tells her about the bear, and then she tells him more details about the bear and confirms. And he's like, "Yeah, that's pretty much what happened." Yeah, that's weird. Um, and. And they're pretty sure that these happened simultaneously, the her dreaming this and him experiencing this, right? Based on when she woke up and stuff. Yeah, he's like, I knew it was 4.20 a.m. because I looked at my watch. And it was just like, you sure you, you it was 4.20 a.m. because you looked at the watch? Or it was 4.20 a.m. because you knew you were hitting the joint? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how he lost his sideburns. <laughs> he went up too high because he was too high. It, yeah. So No Burns definitely thinks it's unusual that like uh you know <laughs> that the, those events happen at the same time. Rhonda and Roxanne actually had the same dream one time and it was a dream where uh Joe's car was like in a ditch, right? And he was all bloody and there was a cop taking a police report, like shaking his head. Yep. Um and yeah, they both had the dream on separate occasions, so they warned this dude before he went on another one of his camping trips. like it, they were, Oh, it wasn't just that. They were just like, every time he got behind the wheel, they're like, hey, now, you know. We had this dream. Remember. Yeah. And then, sure enough, he gets into a really similar accident, but he doesn't die. He does go down a hill. Luckily, he's not hurt. But who's to say if he wasn't being hounded, he probably would have been going faster and, and been less and been more careless. Yeah. And, you know? <laughs> but it's so funny that that, that reenactment. The way that they talked about it and they showed it, that doesn't make much sense. Like, he's like, I just looked down shortly and all of a sudden, like, he was off a cliff. Yeah. Like, was that really what he was doing? You want to know something interesting? What's that? He was packing a bowl is what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, no burns was stone shit. <laughs> no burns was stone out some, of his something. mind. He was blazed out of his gourd. He's you want to know something interesting? Here's here's what's going to trip you guys out. It's going to blow your minds. Where he drives his car off the road is the same turn that he turned when he saw the wheel come flying at him. <laughs> That's not true. Wasn't the, the wheel was a different guy. Well, at least according to the reenactment, it, it looks like the same location. Oh, it might be in the same. In the, in the I'm sure it was. Hey, Jimmy, you know what? This is great. We can do two shots in one. You got a turn and you got a cliff. Perfect. And he said. He said, uh, "Wifey, wife Roxanne, I can't tell this part of the story because I was doing something that was highly illegal at this time. So we'll just say I looked down for a second. This is an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where. Susie and Jeff uh, get in a car accident because she's blowing him. <laughs> the, the episode where they all try Roadhead. <laughs> okay, so the last uh, story is kind of romantic. It's definitely – it's like a Mike Flanagan film. I was thinking that these old stories about old like first loves – I always wonder about how their new spouse thinks when they're on the television. Yeah, they're like, about, what the fuck? Like, yeah, they barely oh, mentioned this dude, th this lady's fucking husband. She's like, her hey, neighbor? She married her neighbor. She settled for her freaking neighbor. All right, move on. Uh, <laughs> but I always dreamt of this man. I'm sure he was a nice guy. I always dreamt of him in his uniform. He yeah. was so hot. Meanwhile, her husband yeah. neighbor so, is sitting there like, what the fuck? She's like, we have children. Yeah, he's like, the fuck? Uh, anyway, so in 1942, Catherine Webb falls for this soldier, Joe Stewart. <laughs> Fucking savage um, blue hairs. Joe, Joe Stewart wants 
they decided not to get married, right? Because the timing wasn't right. He was like still in the army and she had like a mom that needed to be cared for. She said she always regretted it. Um, and they drifted apart and apparently she, they would see each other every now and then and maybe go on a couple dates, but nothing really stuck. Um, and then 20, around 20 years later in 1965, when she was 47, she marries her neighbor. Uh, and then the next year she has, starts to have a strange reoccurring dream. And basically in this dream, it's a bunch of doctors doing medical things and she can't really figure out what's going on, but everybody looks frantic and concerned. Um, the dreams get worse over the next couple of months. They get, uh, more and more, I guess, vivid or intense. I don't really know. They all cultivate in this final dream. And this is where the Mike Flanagan movie starts, even from, uh, one shot set change, uh, like haunting of Hill house. Oh dude. That was my favorite episode when they did that, that they were in the funeral home and then they went into the house and they came back to the funeral home. That was like probably my favorite episode. Yeah. It's, because it's just it looks it's like one definitely tank. one of the it yeah um I have the Blu-ray and there he does commentary on that episode and it's dude they worked their asses off like he'd be like the camera's swinging over here but what you don't see is the crew members moving all the chairs in rows in the funeral home and then before this <laughs> the camera swings around they had to place them back in perfect lines like in silence while the scenes were going on and it's yeah I think. In reality, there are a couple of takes that people don't notice. Yeah. But the whole episode is meant to look like one take until the, the very end. Yeah. But, oh my gosh, if you, if you haven't seen Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, I, I talk about it all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this reminded me so much of that. So the dream starts where she's in her kitchen. Joe comes to her and she's just like, what the fuck? Like, Joe, what are you doing here? Right. And he pretty much just nonchalantly says, I came to tell you that I died. He takes her by the hand and walks her from the kitchen into this church. And in the church, it's an empty church and there's a coffin and he's laying there with a wig. Apparently the mortuary puts a wig on. Yeah. We don't, we don't know that at the time, but all she says is that she looked and it didn't look like him. Yeah. And he's like, it's me. It's me. I'm dead. You know, (laughs) well, maybe not in those words. So basically he says, I came to tell you that I always loved you. And, uh, you know, you're the one for me. And he then kisses her and she says his, she feels his lips and his breath. And that was it. It was kind of beautiful. And it was actually pretty well done for Unsolved Mysteries, like a long fade out. And, uh, yeah, not definitely not their, uh, not their worst moment. So later after she has this dream, she visits, uh, Joe's sister and, uh, Joe's brother-in-law. And they reveal what actually happened. He actually went into the coma the day that she started having the dreams of somebody in a coma, basically. Right. Um, and uh, he had died of a brain aneurysm two days before he appears to Catherine in the dream. Uh, you know, the whole church dream That's and stuff. so creepy. So she was having these, like, visions while he was in the coma. Um, and she even tells the family this and the family confirms a lot of the details that she sees and, and that he told her. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty spooky. It, it reminds me of that X-Files episode where Scully, spoiler alert, Scully's dad dies in season one. Uh, she's like falling asleep and she sees her dad sitting on the couch, just kind of like, you know, like giving like a really like nice smile and it freaks her out. And then. I think she's woke up by a call from her mom saying that her dad had a heart attack. And it's a really cool scene. Yeah. That's really scary. I've heard a lot of stories of stuff like this happening. I've never experienced anything, but like I've, I've experienced like friends or relatives that have like passed away where I'm like seeing them. That's like probably the most paranormal dream that I've had. I don't think I've ever had a dream that like came true. If I did, I don't remember it. I definitely didn't write it down. Yeah. Dreams are weird, man. I remember my I remember my a teacher in like elementary school telling me that she had a dream that she was looking for an earring and she had a dream that it was just like behind the door in her bedroom and she woke up and it was there. That's weird. I don't know why that always stuck with me. <laughs> uh, because you were supposed to tell that story on this podcast, David. That's why. That's why Mrs. Doolittle's story, Ms. Doolittle. I don't know, maybe she got married. Wait. She had big, great 90s bushy hair. 
she was my teacher too. She was elementary school, right? Yeah, kindergarten. Yeah, uh, she was mine. So Vista Hills. I was her first class. She uh she came in mid year because we had Miss McCool, and Miss McCool ended up leaving half, half the year, and then Miss Doolittle came in. Dude, you want to hear a funny story about Miss Doolittle? So uh, I was in the the Three Little Pigs, um, and I was the wolf, and my brother wasn't who was thirteen years older than me. So how old are you in kindergarten? Five. So my brother was 13 years older than me. So what's that, 18? So he's his 18-year-old ass was using the camcorder. And instead of filming me, he was filming my teacher, Miss Doolittle, because he thought she was cute. <laughs> she was, dude. Yeah, she was she a had, babe. Like, she, was really, she was really petite and natural. Like She was white, which is weird for El Paso. But she was like natural beauty, like not a lot of makeup, and she had big, like big hair. awesome curly, like nineties oh, yeah. hair. Yeah, I remember her. But like, but like curly, not like big and like teased, like hairsprayed. It was just like oh you no, know, that big. It was like, just natural curls. Brush. It looked great. Yeah, she was cute. Yeah, your brother's right. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, so um, there's there's a there's a VHS out there that my parents have of <laughs> what's supposed to be me on stage it's just on like my Ms. big Doolittle. and it's just Miss Doolittle. <laughs> Your acting debut in the springtime play kindergarten. Um Huff and I'll puff. Yeah. So the next case is a real crazy one, um, which is confusing. It's uh, a wanted case and it's this these mysterious uh, serial killings in New Orleans in the 90s. And I think at the end of this, there was around 27 that were attributed to this, you know, the same area and all had the same, uh, uh, you know, modus operandi, right? Like they were all strangled, uh, raped, and left naked, dead, in piles of trash at illegal dumping sites. All these girls. Yeah. Super tragic. Um, Not somewhere you definitely want to leave the remains of a loved one. It's like they're all like. Yeah, it's the lowest of the low. Yeah. Um, so August 4th, 1991 is when the first body's found. A recycler just walking up uh, the street um, right outside of Mississippi. Uh, sorry, right outside of uh, New Orleans, just right across the Mississippi find 17-year-old Danielle Britton, who was a neighborhood girl who lived with her mom in the neighborhood. She was strangled and possibly raped. Um, another cool thing about this case is Detective Elizabeth Wigginton, which is pretty rare to have like a lead a detective female in, in any of these classic in, Unsolved Mysteries. In think? the 90s? Hell yeah. I'm sure it was more rare, but it's just weird to see them on TV, you know? Yeah. It's just like, you know, because... Boring white gruff men are always the detectives. All these young women getting raped and murdered, and then you have this badass uh, lady detective who's like on the case. I don't know. It makes for a better story. <laughs> Wig detective Wigginton tells us about the first his who they think is the serial killer's first victim who actually lived, and we're gonna call her Brenda. This is a Brenda, not Brenda situation. Brenda, not Brenda. Yep. Um. They don't change her voice, and it's really sad. She Her vocal cords are permanently damaged from the strangulation attempt. She basically played possum, right? Like, Yeah. Wigginton interviews her, and she talks about how she's on her way to her friend's house. And the man approaches her and says he'll give her a ride. And she's just trying to ignore him, and he doesn't let up and eventually gets out of the car and forces her in. Drives her right by where the other body was dumped and uh, you know, strangles her. And they don't say rape, but it is like NBC and she was, you know, still alive. So maybe they just leave that part out, but I'm, I'm assuming. And then she wakes up naked and confused. And uh, actually I give the actress a little bit of props when she, she wakes up, like she did like this creepy eye thing. And oh yeah. I noticed she was that doing, she was doing her thing. She, she was, was trying. Like, Wait, what? Like what's going on? Like, where am I kind of? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's scary, and yeah, and she tells the story with her voice, um, very raspy. It's it's pretty heartbreaking. So September twenty second, ninety one, is when Charlene Price's body is found, um, and that body was found within one mile of everything else. 
And then December 14th is an, where they find an unidentified body, which is really sad. They just show like a drawing of what they thought she might look like. And they don't really have any more information. Uh, January 4th, 1992, we're into 92 now. They find the body of 29 year old uh, Lydia Madison. And this is kind of crazy because her body, it, it wasn't like necessarily like in a dumping site. It was like behind a building only 400 yards away from the Superdome where the the Saints used to play, I guess, I'm guessing. It's a new one now, right? I'm not sure. I'm not a big Saints fan. Dan is uh, Dan is doing what every great podcaster is doing and just nodding his fucking head. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. I thought this was video. My bad. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, what's the place called now there? Mercedes something. The Mercedes Dome? Or, yeah. Yeah, Mercedes anyway, Superdome. Uh, yeah, just 400 yards away from the... Oh, so they, they it is still the Superdome? But it's a di- is it a different building or they just rebuilt it? I think so. Like a lot of these, a lot of these uh, venues and, and they, they, they just change the name. Like there's a, there's a venue here that has gone through like three or four name changes since I've been here. So it's just who pays the most money. So I think it's still the same venue. The Mercedes super. Yeah. Um, so around three other bodies at the time of this case airing were attributed to the same killer. That was up to eight at the time. And they said seven of the eight were in a three-mile radius, and they were all strangled nude, face down, always at illegal dumping sites. Um, so I think about 27 were eventually, like, towards the late 90s were discovered. And there's a couple different suspects that we found. So one of the suspects that they think might have done this is a, actually a cop. His name is Victor Grant, and he was a New Orleans police officer. And he was suspected in the murder, uh, a 1995 murder of Karen Ivester and Sharon Robinson, too. They were believed to have been murdered on the same night by the same killer. And a shoe print tread next to Karen's body matched Sharon's shoe, which is so weird. Sharon's Sharon was Grant's ex-girlfriend, and she previously claimed that he'd abused her. He has never been charged, and some some believe the investigators uh, covered up because he was a cop. Um, and then there's this guy Russell Elwood, who was arrested for murders of Cheryl Lewis and Dolores Mack in 1998. Uh, these were also two suspected victims of uh, the people that were found murdered in 1993. He was later charged with second degree murder and was a, was suspected in a total of eight murders. Apparently, this guy has made statements in the past of. Uh, saying that he murdered prostitutes. He described in da- graphic detail how he drugged and choked prostitutes before dragging their naked bodies away. He later confessed to an investigator that he had taken a black female and placed her in the water. This guy's girlfriend at one point even testified that he had taken her to two of the victim's bodies. And apparently he was also seen hanging around where Cheryl's body was found a year prior. Um... I think he I think he was the cab driver, I believe. I'm not sure. Later they found out that he was uh in Ohio at the time of of Dolores's murder. It was one of the peop one of the people he was charged with. So that one was dropped. In nineteen ninety nine he was convicted of Cheryl's murder and sentenced to life and sentenced to life. Um the cop Grant still remains a suspect in several of the murders, but has not been charged. And apparently as of twenty sixteen Investigators have been testing evidence and trying to figure out some stuff that, you know, with new technology. So, and a lot of the mug shots, I don't know if they were given by Brenda, not Brenda. I don't even know if that's the right fake name. Um, were black guys. So, sorry, not mug shots, but composite sketches. So I think that this was a lot of people. All these murders, it was like some person was like, oh, you know, like like four or five serial killers just happened to stumble upon the same like body dumping ground at around the same time. Well, or not even because they weren't all the same exact dumping ground. They were similar areas, similar style areas. And what it seems like to me is like, you know, if I do one thing, rape or you know, strangle them and leave their bodies naked, they'll probably just think it's the same person. That's kind of my theory on it. I wonder what evidence they have on this cop or why he's a suspect. Well, the murders that he was linked to, I, I mean, I probably, I don't know. I guess I was reading. I didn't explain it well, but, um, there were shoe prints that matched him to two of the, 
to to both of the murder lo- to both of the murder girls. I mean, but who's to say uh, that somebody doesn't have the same shoes? I guess they have more evidence because they think that they were killed on the same night by the same killer. So it could have just been, you know, one night. But they say that he, they think he's responsible for more of these killings. Hmm. Interesting. But since he's a cop and they don't have good evidence, it's that's it. That's all we have on that one. Uh, the next case is a lost loves that I'll just go through real ki- quick. It's just about this guy uh, named James Vernon, who, uh, um, despite having a troubled life, became a stand-up comedian. And apparently, most of his career was like people would book him and a couple other comedians to go and talk about uh, sobriety. So they would like probably go to like AA meetings. I don't know. Like people would book them to do their comedy about being drug addicts. He died in 2011. Um. But uh, he overcame a lot. So let's talk about him a little bit because I think he, his story kind of deserves a little attention. Houston, Texas, 1982. James Vernon was a heroin addict and he had been a, an addict since uh, the age of 16. Been in and out of rehab, rehab, but it just had done him no good. At this point, he's strung out. Um, he explains how the only thing in his life was getting his next fix. His whole career, he says his career was what my next fix is. Um, so he sees a billboard for a crisis hotline and he starts talking to this lady on the phone and it's easy for him. She says she, she's got, he, she's got a soft voice. She's very kind. Um, and most importantly, I think she didn't talk down to him at all. I, I think she that's huge. That's a like huge, a pure, like a peer. That's a huge thing with, I, I feel like a lot of people when it comes to like drug addicts and I'm guilty of it too, honestly, like if I had to really think about it. A lot of cases that I hear where somebody's like strung out on drugs or like has an addiction to heroin, who basically somebody like something happens to them when they're living like a seedy life. I always kind of like, ah, well, you know, if they hadn't been living this life, you know, if they hadn't put themselves in danger, if they weren't as in risk. So I get the fact that he says that it's important to, to note that. He called this woman and she didn't talk down to him. And so even even though I know that yeah. it's bad to think that way, there's still like this thing that I still have to overcome and like think to myself like, okay, they have an addiction. This is like not something that they necessarily chose. It's like maybe, yeah, they chose to do it once. But man, like I have a cousin who's addicted to heroin and he's in and out of jail all the time. Like it's not – it's not just something that's like, eh, they just need to stop doing drugs. <laughs> like, it's like telling yeah. a homeless person, like, well, if they well, just would think- buy a house. <laughs> like- right. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you don't know what situation brought them to the drugs in the first place and all sorts of shit. But yeah, it's it's important to note that like he's a person, man. Like he 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 needs to feel like a person and for the he called this this woman and for her not to talk down. Imagine all the people that talked down to him because he was strung out in drugs and this one person like shows him kindness. And this is the person that changed his life. So, um eventually his mom takes him back in and lets him stay and and there's some there's some little reenactments of him calling her while he's at his mom's. But at some point he starts doing drugs again and he even steals his mom's jewelry to buy some drugs. And that's, that's exactly what happens, dude. That's exactly what happens. I uh, I just keep thinking of fucking Jared Leto and Requiem for a dream. (laughs) Fucking he goes and pawns his mom's TV every, every week. And then she goes right to the pawn star pawn shop and buys it back. My, uh, my aunt, she, it's, it's just tough, man. You're in a tough situation. Like imagine you having a loved one that you just want to be better. You want them to be better. You want to do everything that you can to help them be better. So you take them in yeah. and then all of a sudden just, they just, it just pulls them right back in, man. And they're stealing from you and they're biting the hand that feeds and it's such a hard place to be in where you want to make you want to help them be better but you just you just don't know how because you take them in and you you give them a place to stay and they make a little bit of money and they spend that money on 
the same thing that, you know, put them in jail in the first place or prison. Yeah. Um, so she finds out about the jewelry and like, he kind of lies and says he'd never do it, but she eventually throws him out of the house with reluctance. Um, and then his ex-wife like agrees to let him move in with her and their son. And then he starts using again. And one day he shows up, he comes home and everything's gone. Like she packed everything up and took the fuck off. And he was, and I think, yeah. And then he's going to. This is his low point where he's like gonna kill himself. He's just gonna take all the heroin and he calls this lady on the phone and uh he I think he even takes the shot on the phone. Yeah. It says that he Yes, yes, he says Go ahead, Dan. You t- you're gonna tell it better than me. Yeah, like he's on the phone and she's like, Oh like no, like this like she's she's trying to convince him, like, you know, all you need to do is you need to seek help. Like that you can't get better until you realize that you can only get better by actually not only asking for help, but actually participating in getting the help. And he's just like, no man, like I'm just going to do this last shot. And he shoots himself up and he's like, Oh, I just kind of felt, I just kind of felt numb. And then I remember even just like slumping down onto the ground. No, he did it wrong. Well, yeah. Well, I was finishing, like he slumps down onto the ground and even cries into the phone. Like, Man, like I can't even kill myself right, and that's when she replies, "Is like you- maybe your plan, okay? Like clearly your plan's not going to work. Try mine. So how about you try mine and get help? How do you mess up? So if you just don't put the heroin in your bloodstream, you're good. <laughs> I guess I don't, I don't know. They said that it was an. He I said was that it was enough heroin that. to kill at least three people. Yeah, and so he just put it in his like arm meat. I don't I know. Guess. <laughs> That's what I'm a little confused about, but it's fine. We won't get into semantics. So um, let's he, let's try some heroin and find out. No thanks. <laughs> Let me call my heroin guy. So she convinced him to go to treatment, and um, I guess he did. And ten years later, he's sober as hell, and he's a stand up and constantly talking about his dear deported wife, the departed wife, not deported. Yeah. Yeah, his dear departed <laughs> wife. She's not dead. She just she just departed. Or, yeah, some. Oh, and it's him doing the jokes. This would be a crazy, crazy story, like a crazy movie to see him all strung out, and then like at the end he becomes stand up comedian. I love it. Yeah, but like not, <laughs> but not like a good one. You know, like I feel like like if you're that, like you should be like Dave Chappelle, like where like you just tell like inspir- like, like stories and like. It's more of like a. It's more of like you a sitting on a stool, smoking a cigarette, talking about how you used to suck dick for crack. <laughs> oh come on! That you totally just mixed up like young Dave Chappelle with current Dave Chappelle. <laughs> no, I mean I'm I'm thinking like long winded monologues, you know, inspirational stories. I got over this, but still funny in the middle. Not just like my dearly departed wife. Yeah, she's not dead. She just departed for me. She it's just got tired like, of being poor and departed. Like, you're like oof. Oof, like that's, Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, apparently he had a pretty good career. Uh, he, he passed away in 2011 and, uh, um, yeah, I'm glad that he overcame and stuff. I, I like to, th- I don't, I wonder if he ever reconciled with his, uh, wife and child. I, I like to hope so. So there is an update here and basically the lady called and she's like, I'm here, I'm fine, but. Um, I'm not going to reveal my identity to the viewers at home, um, because she was still a grief counselor. So it's unclear if they even actually reunited, you know, him and him and the grief counselor. I don't know, but let's, uh, yeah, let's move on to something a little more sleazy now, even though we just talked about heroin. Don Juan. That still had a nice ending. Um, no, they call him the con one. The con one. That was interesting, right? They mixed two up. This is a fraud case, guys. We're talking about J.D. Method. No, he's not an MC. He's an actor. <laughs> a method actor. Method actor. Slicks his hair back the way all the sleazy men did in the 90s. So, J.D. Method, um, the, per- the first victim is a lady named Peggy Peterson uh, of Golden, Colorado. Uh, she met J.D. in a personal ad in 1990. Um, he was in Vietnam. Um, I was in Vietnam. Oh, Vietnam. 
Um, she says that he was charming and fun and nice. And, um, yeah, they got along smoothly. And then around the same time, Linda Weaver also meets JD on a telephone dating service. Linda explains JD is very witty and well-versed. He could just kind of spin a yarn on any subject he wanted. And he could pretty much bullshit about anything as well. Um, I guess that's kind of the same thing. They're um, different. The One of the investigators explains that this was essentially him interviewing these women, trying to figure out how rich they were, what he could kind of, you know, skim off of them. Um, you know when you go to a bank and the loan officer's asking you questions to see how likely you're going to pay the loan back? He was kind of doing the same yeah. except for how much he could withdraw it, from it. It was, like, it was like a two-factor system. Like, how rich is she? How stupid is she? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, That's what any good con man I, I, does. I like the... I love the line uh, Dan pointed out to like where he's like, he's like, Oh, credit like yours. He's like, you should get a couple more credit cards. You should have at least five. Come on, get some credit cards. <laughs> and he tells, he tells, he tells Peggy. I tell David that every day. Yeah. My credit's actually pretty decent right now. Um, actually it's, I would say good more than decent, right? Good. Uh, anyway, Probably better than mine. Any creditors listening? Uh, uh, Shout out. I got You've been pre-approved. <laughs> um, so I should get a couple more. I should uh, listen to Don, Don Juan. Please don't. JD Method. Please don't. Um, no, definitely not. <laughs> so after he gets a little more comfortable with Peggy, he tells her that his uncle is ill and that he needs money for surgery. Um, and she she did it. And basically the reason she did it is because she had already uh, agreed to lend him $500 to flip a car. And so she was just like, how can I say that I don't have this money now when I just lent him some money? So he was like testing the waters. Uh, you know, what's funny is in the reenactment when they're at the car dealership, the guy's like, Oh, this is my buddy. He's like, Oh, he pretty much, he, he's, he's my, he pretty much helps me sell all these cars. And it's like, isn't that suspicious? Like, he yeah. comes here once a week with a different woman, and the lady was like, "Huh, what? Uh, you, you know, you. Why are you here so much?" <laughs> um, so not, we get our second all a red flag. So uh, this time we get a similar lady. Um, she's got the short hair. She's middle aged, but she's blacked out because we don't. You know, she wants to protect her identity. Let's let's not call her. Let's call her Amelia, not Amelia. Um. Her son wanted to sell a truck and get nope, a. Nope. He wanted to sell his Mustang car to get a pickup truck. So Homeboy interjects into the conversation. He's like, Well, how about this? You sign the title of the car to me and give me 4000 cash. I'll go down to the dealership and I'll strike up a deal that's way better than any you two can do. You're a teenage boy and you're a woman. Like, I don't know. Like, why? What? It's fucking <laughs> so, stupid. <laughs> that's how it was. That's how it was. So, of course, they're like, all right, let me let me sign the title over to you. Let me sign the title over to you. And here's a white envelope full of cash. Uh, we'll see you in about 20 minutes. We'll stay here. It's fine. Like, yeah. yeah. That, that whole thing just kind of like throws up so many flags. Like, all right, if he was selling his car to buy a truck, wouldn't he want to go to the dealership to there was a lot of swindlers back then. I think that everybody, most people were like really trusting of each other and thinking like, this guy's going to do right by me. Yeah. But like, if you're selling, if you're selling a Mustang to get a pickup truck, you're not just going to be like, oh yeah, like sell this fucking cherry Mustang to get any old pickup truck. Why didn't this kid go and be like, Hey, I want to like, yeah, because this guy was preyed upon stupid people. He did his research. He was so, smart, so you're saying the guy, that, that this teen was stupid is what you're saying. Well, his mom was stupid. Uh, but anyway, and, and I think, uh, well, yeah. but at this point, I mean, let's not forget at this point, this, this was probably the final straw. This is like his final get from them because Amelia, not Amelia says that at the end of when all said and done, all of a sudden done, he got a, like 70 grand from her. And I can't imagine that. And <laughs> I can't imagine that in the nineties that that Mustang alone was. 70 grand. I don't know. What do you guys think? Probably not. No, right? no. Yeah. No, no way. There was no way it was that much. 
Um, so yeah, I think she, you know that was just the one story she was willing to share. I don't know, um, but yeah, she said that uh, he left with the she he he left with the Mustang and uh, and they never saw the Mustang or the pickup truck. Again. He robbed her and she gave him the getaway vehicle. Yeah, she. What did yeah. she say? She's like, she's like, she's like. I believe, I believe God, that he, this guy's a good fuck, man. You know what? I need to rob a fucking dealership, get the cash and a car. She, she's, That's why they called him the Con Juan, baby. <laughs> <laughs> they don't just give that title to anybody. This was smart. This, guy, this guy was earned. real smart. She says that uh, she believes that um, he believes all of the bullshit he tells all these women. What, what, what are her words? He believes all of the glop. All of the, She says glop. Um, and there's an update. What's the update? Oh, so the update. What's the update? Was uh, he was in the process of swindling someone in Beaver? What was it called? Beaverton, Oregon. Yeah, yeah exactly. Beavertown, Beaverton, Oregon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he he was working on conning this woman in Beaverton, Oregon. Same same style, you know. They met on on a mail in uh, personal ad through the newspaper, and so she tips off the FBI. They do an investigation and uh, they discover that he had a steamer trunk full of like different identities and different things that he would use to at his house, right? Perpetrate his crimes. Yeah. Like, like at his house, like when they were talking about it, I'm glad they showed like a brief shot of, of like the steamer trunk. Cause like when they're like, Oh, like we found a steamer trunk with the tools that he would use to perpetrate these crimes. I instantly thought Mrs. Doubtfire and her steamer trunk with like the makeup and the mask and the. <laughs> you vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Toodaloo. Yeah. And, and that lady only called the cops after she personally lost two grand from this fuckhead. <laughs> but since then he's been caught. He was sentenced to 16 years. Uh, he is now yep. out. Did he even serve? He he served less, right? Or did uh, yeah, he served less for good behavior. Freaking and uh, he can now be booked as DJ Conwan. <laughs> bet you that guy couldn't even. Book a book bet you that guy can't even send a text He's probably old as shit. <laughs> DJ Conwan. See, that's the cool thing. His his market is he DJs with the old school Nokia's. Damn, it's, it's just all like that it's bit. all thirty second eight bit ringtones. It, it's like it's like the newfound glory. I remember I used to have the newfound glory. It's all downhill from here on Nokia two bit. Like <laughs> beam boom beam boom beam boom beam boo boo beep 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 boo boo beep boo beep boo. There you go, newfound glory. You you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, so that was a fun episode, guys. Uh, I, w- I wish I could find out any. I feel like I want, uh, of, I want him to have to con again. And sometimes you can find stories of you, people you, re. You hope that he con wand again. Yeah, what's his name? Con wand rides st- again. Yeah, there's no, there's no other like, there's no other update that we. I have. just can't believe that's his actual fucking name. J D J- Method. Jerome Method. That is ridiculous. I don't know. But next week next next week's a Halloween episode. They're doing some uh honorary Halloween titles for uh for the spooky season, even though it's not spooky season for us. You mean Halloween in March? Yeah, Halloween in March. You have Christmas in July, Halloween in March. I love it. I'll <laughs> take it. I think there's an alien one or no, that's coming up. Like uh, there's ghosts definitely next week. Um, and uh, there's like a dramatic love triangle that we're going to talk about. Oh, great. That ends in a, a supposedly a tragedy. There's going to be oh, a, go- there is a, there's going to be a, there is a ghost uh, episode. There's a, I mean a ghost segment. And then um, there's also some spirits, some spooky spirits about, some, Not the booze, uh, right? Actually, Civil War spirits. Ooh, so, I always like ooh, the good booze. I always like which, ghosts, like like I always like haunted, like old timey soldier ghosts or like old timey soldier ghosts. And, as yeah. long as they're not kid ghosts, 
Kid goes oh, scary. Oh yeah. Damn, I feel bad. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? Uh, uh, Insidi- Casper? Insidios. Have you ever seen Insidios? Insidios. Yes, I've seen Insidios. Insidios. I like the first and the second Insidios. Yeah. Did you ever see? You should watch the third one. I know the last one, the fourth one. I haven't seen the third one. You should watch the fourth one. I haven't because seen it. it's kind of a prequel of the of the lady and her two nerdy uh, paranormal friends. It's probably the most fun one. Oh yeah, because that's the character you want to see. Like you see her meeting, or that might be the third one. It's either the third or fourth one where they like do the prequel, and you're like, these are the only characters I care about. And and you know the the guy maybe with the glasses, the nerdy guy with the glasses. Yeah, maybe I have seen the. That. Maybe I have because seen it's it. the two guys in the white shirts that help her out, right? Because you don't really care about the 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 couple, right? Well, like the, I mean, the, don't get me wrong. I fucking love me some Patrick Wilson, and the kid is really good. The the little boy. You know what's funny is like people don't know Patrick Wilson. Like they they there's a me there's a actually a, a meme that I saw that he's been in so many movies and nobody knows his real name. Like as an oh, actor. I love him. He's just he's great. He's just there's something so like sturdy and like a. Uh, I don't know. Reliable. He does all the he plays like so the, good. the 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 Warren. He plays like the husband Warren, right? On uh, on most of the oh yeah like yeah he, he's he's Mister Warren yeah he's the he's the in the Conjuring and he was Night Owl and Watchmen and he was on that really good season two yeah, of yeah, Fargo. Those and, are great. Those are great films. And he's I uh, love all those like. I love all those like horror movies that they're like coming out with. It's like very nostalgic where it feels like. Not cheesy, but like they they just do like the horror right. What do you call? You those? know, it's a really good one that you could even that you could even watch with the kids. Maybe maybe the older ones is come play, come play. Sorry, I'm I'm stealing the Big Bang Theory, Bang Bang, Bang Bang, comedy Bang Bang joke because it's got Jillian Jacobs from uh, Community, and she was on promoting it, and he kept calling the movie come play instead of come play. What you emphasize, <laughs> come play. <laughs> but it's about a little boy who unleashes a monster that comes out of his iPad, and the monster is really tall and creepy, and the little boy is autistic and doesn't talk, and it's like an Amblin produced kind of like throwback to like an eighties. It's got Poltergeist vibes. Like it's there's nothing bloody about it or that anything. Sounds terrifying. It's not bloody or anything. It's just like it's you know. I'm gonna show my kids immediately a monster that comes out of their iPad that's gonna make them not want to be on their iPad. I honestly I, I don't know. You probably could I mean they watch Stranger Things. I, I don't remember like Oh they they love Stranger Things. I don't remember if it's if it's if anything like super bad I'll have to happens. Watch it. I don't think so. Yeah, because I'll have to like watch it. I'm, I'm trying to, to think if like the see. I feel like maybe the parents like are beating each other up or something bad, but no, no. I just watch a lot of horror movies. I'm getting it mixed up with something else. Oh, and another great horror movie I watched before we end this podcast is a movie called Freaky, which is a great horror comedy. It takes the Friday, it takes the Freaky Friday premise, um, and kind of throws it on its head. A teenage girl switches bodies with uh, a serial killer played by Vince Vaughn. Oh, I love Vince Vaughn. Dude, if you want to see Vince Vaughn believably play a teenage girl and this teenage girl believably play a ruthless psycho killer, it's it's a really fun movie. I mean, it's completely a, a horror comedy. It knows exactly what it's what it is. And oh my god, there's one scene where Vince Vaughn <laughs> is is flirting with the teenage boy and it's so sincere and funny. <laughs> It's like a sweet moment between dude between Vince Vaughn and this teenage boy who's like who knows that that did a little that the girl is in the body and I don't it's it's hard to explain but it's great. Oh dude, I love I love Vince Vaughn. I think he even like dude just his like his his comedy is just so out there. It's so funny. Like even in his movies, like people are like give him shit for like oh he's the same character in every movie, but not in this one. He's so funny. Not in this one. Funny. Dude, if you like, if you, yeah, I love this it. I don't care. I don't care if he's the same character in every movie. Man. No, like, that's I a funny character. Vince Vaughn. Yeah, it's a funny character. Oh uh, yeah, if you like Vince Vaughn, I highly recommend this movie because he, everybody, it's the same guy who directed Happy Death Day. Have you seen that one? 
Yeah, I did. I like that. I haven't seen the sequel but yet. It's just it's just got that kind of vibe. Like it's kind of got that like Mean Girls mixed with a horror movie. Yeah, I haven't seen the sequel. The, the first one, the first one was good. Yeah, it, it, I've only seen the first one, but it, it's a good time. I mean, it, yeah, like, I like he pretty much took Groundhog Day and made it a slasher movie. He t- that's what he did with. It. He took Fri- Freaky Friday and made it a slasher movie. Um, I can't. I I want to see what he does next because I like making those tropes. I like the way he turns tropes into slasher movies because I love slasher movies. Um, but yeah, anyway, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We'll be back uh, next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Um, uh, for every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone's listening, and perhaps that someone is you. Good night, Daniel. Good night. Good night, Eli. Good night. Good night. I was going to say good night, Nightville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see you next week, guys.